Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. Here's your host, Miles Beacom. Hello, I'm Miles Beacom, and we have a great show and story to tell you today, and it's about the history of Core Trust. Uh, today with me, we have Boyd Hopkins, who's the chairman of the board for Core, and we have Jack Hopkins, who's the president and CEO of Core Trust Bank. Uh, the first question I'd say is, can you give us a little overview of the history? And this goes back really three generations to your father. Right. And if you could talk about the, how it started and how it's continued to grow. Well, my father started, uh, he was born on a ranch north of Wasta, about 30 miles, which is pretty close to the middle of nowhere. And uh, he stayed uh, on the ranch until he went to high school. And he first went to high school in Wasta, South Dakota as freshman and sophomore year. And uh, then uh, he took a year off and uh, he was uh, building dams with horses with another guy and finally went back to school to Rapid. And from Rapid, he went to Sturgis and finished out at Sturgis High School. And after that, he went on uh, back to the ranch until about 1946 and then moved into Wall, and he went into business with his father-in-law in the trucking and the taxi business. And also him and his brother-in-law built a apartment house, four-unit apartment house that still stands to the day. And then he decided he wanted to get in the banking business. And a friend of his that he had worked with that uh, owned the bank at uh, Wall, and uh, he, went to work at the bank at Wall as an assistant cashier. From there, he heard about a job in Artesian as assistant cashier, and so he took that job and held that. And the gentleman that was the head of the cashier um, left, and Dad was appointed head cashier, which would be like the executive vice president today, because the cashier did everything in those days. The bank at that time was probably about $700,000 in total deposits or assets. And he then worked for a gentleman by the name of L.A. Hollenbeck, who happened to own the bank, buy the bank at Artesian. And he worked with him until he passed away in 1961. And uh, he was able to buy it from his wife, Marion Hollenbeck and uh, bought it uh, for the pricely sum of $79,000. It was a million dollar bank. Now you try to figure out how you'd make money in today's world with a million dollar bank, but they did it. And from that point on, then he grew the bank, added a branch in Letcher, and then was going to add a bank in Mount Vernon in 1972, three, and I joined him in 1972. What do you think were a couple of your father's biggest challenges? Money. Because <laughs> <laughs> when he bought the bank, he didn't have any. And uh, luckily, the bank, it was then the uh, First National Bank in Minneapolis, loaned him the money. And uh, he struggled through that and trying to make a payment on 
uh, on a small bank uh, was probably a difficult task at best, and uh, and he just stuck with it. What do you think he's most proud of in growing the organization? Oh, that would be a really good question. Um, I would say uh, the service that he was able to help the customers, because he knew that if you didn't help the customers, you weren't going to have a bank. And if you didn't do a good job of that, it wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. How about once you joined the bank then, uh, continue to explain how it continued to grow? Well, we, we uh, had opened the bank. I joined it and it had about four and a half million dollars in assets. And we had the branch at Letcher and then had opened in 73 in Mount Vernon. And we determined since Mitchell only had two banks at that time, that uh, there was probably room for another one. And uh, so we made application to move our charter in 1974. And, uh, finally accomplished it in December of 1977 after a little court fight. For years, just another challenge out there. Just another challenge. And today, and Jack, when did you? I joined the bank in uh, 1988, uh, came back. I was working at a bank in the Twin Cities and they had gotten sold to First Star, which is now US Bank. And at that time I did not want to move to Milwaukee all that bad. so. Uh, my father approached me and said, are you interested in coming back to work with us? And I did. I went back to Webster, worked there for about a year and a half, moved to Yankton. And when we moved into Sioux Falls, we uh, bought a location from your predecessor, United National Bank, and uh, the rest is his history. And that was 1993 when I did that. So that was our first venture into the Sioux Falls market. How large is Core Trust today? Uh, today we're 1.2 billion, so just crossed the 1.2 1.2 billion, it started at? About a million. About a million. What a difference there, and uh, what a legacy there. But Jack, what have you seen in some of your challenges? Uh, the challenges right now are just uh, probably with any organization as it grows, it's communication. Trying to stay in communication with your customers, uh, with your employees, uh, because we have a geographic we're spread out a fair amount in geographic locations, and uh, that gets to be the biggest challenge. Um, pulls me away from the customers because I try to get out to the branches as often as I can, but with 35 locations now, that can be difficult to do. 35 locations, that's, that's impressive. Boyd, I missed you on that. Uh, what was your biggest challenge? 37. 37, I can't even count. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? So what, what do you think your biggest challenges Money. were? Money. <laughs> Yeah, no, we were growing, and uh, we were uh, growing quite rapidly in terms of where you were when you started at four and a half million, and then it jumped to uh, about 10, 15 million, and then we started buying a couple smaller banks, and so you were, you were uh, trying to borrow enough money to buy the banks and get them paid back, and. Uh, and uh, then getting the personnel and everybody in sync and getting a computer system that worked and for everybody and uh, just the challenge of much we have today uh, but they were on a smaller scale but uh, just staying in there and doing business i do have to correct jack though that we bought it from denny sanford 
that branch in here in Sioux Falls. So that's what I said. The predecessor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. United Bank. But United Bank. Yes. Uh, Jack, was it a tough move for you to move back from Minnesota to South Dakota? Uh, from the Twin Cities to move to Webster, South Dakota was obviously a little bit of a culture shock for us after living there for a few years. But we grew up in small towns. My my wife is a as a farm girl, so grew up north of Mitchell. I grew up in Artesian. So Artesian, Webster was a big town compared to Artesian. So no, it was a great place to live. Loved Webster. Of course, I loved to hunt and fish and do that kind of stuff. So it's a great place to live. So it's great being back as well. And, yeah, and it was. I left the state for about three years in the early 90s and jumped at the opportunity to come back and raise the family. And, and sometimes you need to leave to understand what a precious place South Dakota mm -hmm. is. And we really have something special here. Yeah, we've been fortunate to be able to travel many places around the country and in the world, and there's nowhere else we'd rather live. Well, good. Uh, what, what would you want others to know about your legacy story uh, that would, uh, relates to the impact of South Dakota? You know, I think the people here have a work ethic that is unbelievable. They're hardworking, they're good, honest people. And when you do business with them, it's fun to come to work every day. It makes it a lot of fun. Um, it really gets down to perseverance. You wanna, if you want to keep growing, you can succeed in this state. It's a great, obviously, work environment here and uh, somewhere we all love. As challenges come up, how do you deal with challenges? Because everyone that's been successful, uh, they have challenge after challenge and the successful individuals and businesses are the ones that don't throw in the towel and they work together to overcome those. And if you give an example of one of the largest challenges you had and how you overcame that. Well, I don't know if there was the largest because there was probably several. Uh, I think uh, for us, for me, and for dad, because he was heavily involved in those days, was in the early 80s and going through the farm crisis and uh, getting through that difficult time. And, uh, and I think because of how he had set up dealing with customers and being honest with them, uh, we did not have all that many bankruptcies in our bank. We were smaller that, at that time, but still we, we went through that storm and uh, uh, your earnings were hurt a little bit because uh, working with the customers to get through that, uh, it, it, uh, you had sleepless nights, as we say. Boy, that's a great example because a lot of people, they, it's easy to forget about the farm crisis that we had. And a lot of people are young enough and they didn't go through it. Could you talk a little bit about, more about that, about the uh, impact it had on your bank and, and how you worked together and, and the relationships you had with those customers as well to, to overcome? Because a lot of banks throughout the country, there was a lot of failures during the farm crisis. Well, they weren't also necessarily all farm uh, bankruptcies or problems that some of the other banks had. There was other issues going on at that point in time. Uh, uh, I think, and several of the other banks went through the same thing in this state and survived it and stuck with staying in the lending business. Um, I think being honest with your customers and saying this is how it's got to work, if you can't do it that way, uh, then you have a choice to make and we have a choice to make. And, uh, 
Uh, and normally, once you uh, got a cooperation going for both parties, it, it worked out. And that communication that both Boyd, you and Jack have talked about is so important to uh, really build confidence that the farmers and the bankers could get through that period because that was a very difficult time. Yes, I, uh, and uh, I think one of the issues that you kind of forget about is the psychological issue that the farmers faced is they didn't know for sure if the bank was gonna say, we're done and we're out of here, or if they were gonna stay with them. And I think uh, once you got by that psychological issue that, no, let's get this worked out and we gotta do what we gotta do, uh, I think that helped get through it. It's so important. I think the most important thing is to remember that we are partners in this business. No, it is a partnership. They succeed, we succeed. They fail, we have failed. I mean, it's important for everybody to understand that in our business, the most important thing we have is our customers succeeding. So we never want to see a customer fail. We're always doing what's in the best interest for the customer because if they make it, we make it. That's just the way the business works. That's a great word, just the partnership. It's so mm -hmm. important. Yeah. What characteristics uh, describe how a person can change their dreams to impact South Dakota? And, and well, use yourselves for an example. Uh, how you changed uh, different, your characteristics that really have, gave you the ability to chase your dreams? Well, probably the first, uh, after we moved into Mount Vernon, uh, Dad and I felt that at that point in time, which would have been 1973 or four, that we had to get the bank to $100 million to be a bank that was probably gonna survive. And so we knew that our best option at that point in time was to move the bank into Mitchell. And so we put all of our efforts and time into doing that. And luckily, it, we got it accomplished. And that was probably our turning point right there. And uh, I don't know if we would have had the same uh, results if we hadn't been able to do that. Uh, once we got that done, then there were some other opportunities that became available and we were able to do it. But that was the initial goal was uh, we knew we had to get to 100 million. And that alone didn't do it, but by being there and growing, it made other opportunities available. And uh, I guess maybe we set our sights a little low at 100 million. <laughs> yes. When you move into a new community, uh, that's tough to build that, those relationships because you're starting right. fresh. And one of the things that uh, I think are just very impressive with Core Trust is your community involvement as well. How do you think that has tied into the success of the organization? Oh, it's probably everything. I, I don't know how else to state it. I mean, you're involved in the community. Uh, you serve on different boards. Uh, we have uh, many of our people are serving on the uh, city council or the county commissioners or the school boards, and uh, then they're involved in the different uh, nonprofit organizations, and that's uh, just a part of life that everybody needs a little help, and so you get involved. Yeah. 
Jack? I'd sure. just say, echo that, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate in life, so we've always encouraged our employees to give back. Give back in the community and your time. You know, we'll give you the time to go back and do these things to help the community. Um, it's a wonderful place to live, but it wouldn't be if people weren't willing to give back. Well said. And one thing I think is very special about our state is being bankers will compete fiercely during the day uh, for business. But at the end of the day, we do what's right for the community. All of us work together. And I, and I think there's a lot of organizations or communities that don't do that. And I think it's paid huge dividends for South Dakota as well. So I think absolutely right. Very important. How was the legacy story impacted by teamwork and creativity to inspire others? Uh, do you see other organizations doing what you are to be successful as well? I can't speak to that one. I don't know if they are looking at us or whether we're looking at them, but I think we're all trying to do, figure out what is best for everybody involved. I mean, we'll look at whether it's your organization or other organizations, say, what are they doing right? What should we be doing? What can we do? And so you just look around and say, where are opportunities to do what's right in the communities? And how looking at other organizations can that make us better? Because at the end of the day, competition is good. You, know, you talked about it at the earlier. We might beat each other up on a deal, but at the end of the day, we can go and have beer together at night. Yeah. I mean, it it's, makes us all better. Yes. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I just see about our community as well is not only working together, but you mentioned uh, time off to go get involved. And that is so important uh, uh, to reinforce that being coaching or working with United Way or whatever organization mm -hmm. it is in the community. Because uh, it, it does, it makes our community stronger when you're helping those, those organizations out. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned were, were, the, were the people and your staff and doing things. And one thing that I've always seen with Core Trust is not only are you in the community, but you take great care of your people within the organization as well. And could you take just a minute and talk about that as well? Well, we try to treat them like family. And, uh, and I've always said, first things first, family is first. And they are, we talk about it being the Core Trust family. You know, so we know that when you have a child's event or a grandchild's event or some event in your life and you want to leave at 3 o'clock to be at that event, we're not going to be checking the clock to say, okay, uh, we, we're watching you every day. Um, they see me going to events for my children and I expect them to be able to have the time to do that for their kids. Uh, you know, we ask them to put in extra time when they have, can to go do events in the evening, to do that kind of stuff. So we're not going to penalize them during the day when they want to take some time to be with their families. Um, you know, that builds, I think, a lot of loyalty from the employees. When I look around my staff, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. I don't lose people very often. And normally it's to retirement or illness. But as far as being in any of the middle or senior management, I can look around and we just don't lose people. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, that is something to be proud of. And those individuals, those employees that will leave at 3 o'clock for an event, they'll remember that event the rest of their life. And they'll also pay you back 10 times for being able to do that versus being at the work that, that hour or two hours later. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that is very important. Uh, next question, what does South Dakota not know about this dream chaser? So what does South Dakota not know about you, Boyd, that you would like to share with them about chasing your dreams? Well, I think it was, it was a, probably dad's dream to, to own a bank, number one. Um, and once he got involved in that uh, and probably started understanding uh, uh, what size you had to be, 
and he was willing to borrow the money even when he was over 60 years old and uh, continue that. And uh, whereas at that point in time, maybe you would think about more retirement, he said, no, let's, let's keep this game going and uh, let's uh, move on forward. And, uh, and so, you know, he never held back. Now that we're all a little older, do you ever look at some of the decisions your father made and say, why in the world did you do that? <laughs> well, no, not really. Uh, when I joined him, we made a, we went into a partnership and uh, uh, we had one rule and that was if we made a decision and one of us said no to it, then that was it. So we went with it. So either the decision was both of us went or one didn't go and we didn't go. And uh, that worked out pretty good early on. Jack? I'd say it still works out pretty much the same way. We say any difficult decisions we make as a family because if you're in a family business, uh, as we are, <clears throat> you know that you have to be able to uh, work together and to respect each other. So it, it gets down to you have to make joint decisions and, and that includes the other members of our family that are within the, within the banking organization. So any tough decisions, we sit down as a group. Jack, that's a great point. Uh, not only is it family, but it's your uh, business family as well. And when a challenge comes up, how do you pull them in to helping out with those challenges and making those decisions? Well, most of them are part of our senior management team and they sit in on our monthly board meetings. So they're part of the decisions as to where we go, whether it's expanding new products, services, or locations. They're part of it. And generally by the time we get done, we've had buy-in from our group. I can't think of times where we've had it, well, I, the board split and everybody's split. We normally have been able to either get on board or we say, let's pass. And that's kind of the way we've done it, and the way we've handled it from both the core trust family and our own personal family. And that's such an important, important fact. And uh, within our organization, uh, we can, when something tough comes in, we always pull the team in. And I always said, if, if I was making all the decisions, we would have been closed 20 years ago, probably. <laughs> but we've got a lot of bright people around yeah. and they have ideas and they throw out there. Mm -hmm. And it's good to have those people that constantly challenge you as well. And I just see that very important for our organization. How about for yours? Well, I always joke and say it's a good thing I hire good people that cover all my mistakes. Mm. So, and that's the most important thing is I always say hire people that are better than you are in their areas mm -hmm. and rely on them to help make good decisions. So, and we have good people. So hopefully we, we make good decisions. And you have, what an incredible organization uh, Core Trust is today and it has been for how many years now? No, we're going 85, 87 years. 87 years. 89 years. 89, yeah, we're about 89 to 90. years. So, um, yeah, and uh, I think the family has owned the bank since 1961. So, yeah, very, very impressive. Boyd, anything else that you would like uh, folks to know and uh, about chasing their dreams? Well, I think on the last issue you talked about is that everybody buys in well I think that was maybe not quite as true in the early years because I think a few times they thought we were crazy but other than that we got through it <laughs> so very true yeah Jack um, 
I can't think of anything to add to that. I mean, it's just, it's been a good ride. Yeah. And what an incredible business that you both, with your father, have uh, continued to generate. And the impact to South Dakota, I think, is just phenomenal. So thank you for all that you do for South Dakota. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.